right, and we're back for another Lakers Fast Break podcast. It's Gerald Glassford coming to you from the Lakers Fast Break podcast, Inside Sports, Fantasy Football, and Pop Culture Cosmos. I want to thank you so much for listening to all of our great shows. I know it's been about a week. I know the Lakers have done a lot of great things, and we're here to talk about that today. And, of course, with me, usually on our first episode of the week, as he's here once again, is a good man indeed. He is the man behind Lakerholics.net. you got to be a part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net. A whole lot of stuff going on there, a whole lot of conversations, a whole lot of Lakers talk, great articles, great reading when you're there. And the man behind it all is with me again today. It is Tom Wong, but you know him as Laker Tom. Tom, it's always great to have you back on the program. Carol, it's been a fun week, huh? I can't, yes. I can't wait to talk about the Lakers. It's, I've been looking forward to this podcast all weekend. Things are really, really hopping, and it's really a tough task when you send a team into town to do a back-to-backs against the Clippers and then the Lakers, two nights at Staples. And we've seen a couple of teams really struggle with that. The uh, uh, the Clippers pulled one out. Paul George hit a, hit a three-point shot, 20 seconds to go, and they hung on and won by two points in, in a very close game. So... Uh, hopefully they've worn them out for us and we'll be able to have a nice, enjoyable game uh, just like the Hawks game and uh, be able to sit back and relax and, and enjoy a lot of dunks. Well, often people are out there right now in the NBA and the analysts, and you know what? I'm going to be honest with you, myself as well. I'm using all these early tests as kind of like a litmus test. So when the Clippers beat the Hawks by 50, I'm hoping <laughs> that the, the the Lakers beat the Hawks by 55. So I was kind of little bit, yep. little teeny bit disappointed that they only won by 21, but you know, it's semantics. What can I say? But yes, I'm hoping for great things as well when it concerns their matchups this week. I'm worried when they go over Oklahoma City that they will underestimate them. And you know, teams play much better at home. And if they're able to, to match up well with the Clippers like they did, you know, and they're only losing two points on the previous night. Let's see how they match up against the next two games when it concerns the Lakers and Oklahoma City. So I'm looking forward to that this week, plus a lot of other great matchups as well. But again, the Lakers are for the best record in the NBA. Those those darn Celtics, I'm telling you, those pesky, pesky, pesky Celtics are tied with them right now in the loss column. We'll see how far that goes. I know a lot of people are still thinking that maybe the Celtics might – uh, you know, of the two, they think the Lakers might be able to hold on to this type of record a little bit better. I am not as sure because the reason why is the East Conference is so weak that the Celtics, I mean, they've got a lot of cupcakes that can keep on continuing to pad that record and pad that record. Whereas, like you and I've talked about it, after the next six games, the schedule definitely gets tough for the Los Angeles Lakers in early December once you hit that December 3rd game against Denver. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting matchup. I, I do the same thing you did on the uh, Clippers game against the Hawks, and they beat them by 49 points or 50 points, whatever it was. And actually, I thought that if the Lakers had kept their foot on the throat of the Hawks during that game, they could have beat them by 60, and I was hoping that they would do that. They were up as far as by 30, so, I mean, they, they had to control the game. I mean, they, they were there was lapses there. You noticed it. I noticed it. The lead went down to 10. Uh, you know, they had a hard time guarding Trey Young, but a lot of people in the NBA are finding out that they're having a hard time guarding Trey Young. But yes, I, you're right. It was it was pretty much not in doubt the entire way. 
and again, it's just maybe it's a subconscious thing, Tom. But I think a lot of people, a lot of Lakers fans, and a lot of pundits out there are subconsciously trying to go ahead and think of litmus tests for these teams, the the LA teams, the Clippers and the Lakers, because uh, you know I can't shake the fact that the Clippers are just cruising at this point in time. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to lay it all out there. Well, they may be cruising, but they also got five losses. But they but they might have five losses. But and, I don't and think, Kawhi, I don't think, Kawhi's, missed, Kawhi's missed five games already, too. Yeah, he's – you know, whether it's load management or injury, but Paul George has come back and look amazing for the most part. I mean, you know, he, he's really looking good. 22 points last night. That wasn't great. That wasn't great, but 70 points in his first two games, you know, right. coming back from a shoulder injury, that uh, – that tells you there that at least, you know, he he can't be 100% tip-top shape, but at least that's a good starter. And, of course, those numbers go down once Kawhi gets in there. But that dynamic that they have, and Landry Shamit's out too. So, I mean, they, they have their injury struggles. But I kind of yeah. have this feeling that they're kind of coasting and that they don't really care if they get the number one spot or the number four spot or number five spot. I think they're just kind of coasting. Uh, and again, it comes down to what can the Lakers do to match up with them. I think when it comes down to a, a playoff scenario, I think a lot of people are pointing towards that, are pushing towards that. I still think the Lakers match up favorably, but I still see – and you see things. We talked about this in the podcast before that we tried to have, but unfortunately we couldn't get out there, is um, regards to wings. You know, The wings are, are a little bit of an issue for the Lakers. Guards are not exactly as – prevalent and the reason why is because I think they have decent enough guards especially on the defensive end that can go ahead and hold off you know top tier guards enough to to satisfy because the Lakers are playing such tremendous defense as a whole but I think when it comes to wings and I think Pascal Siakam and the Toronto game really pointed this out that you know more wing help aka Andre Iguodala would help a lot going forward. Yeah. I think one of the things, let's, let's go back a second back to the last game that we played against the Hawks because that was a game where I thought there were a lot of special things that happened in that game. I thought that the chemistry that the Lakers have shown so early in the season is just really something special. Chemistry is one of those intangible things that it's hard, it's hard to really get a handle on. It's hard in some ways to define what makes it work and what makes it go. It's almost impossible to bottle it. But the Lakers, to me, this has been the really big difference that I see. And it's, it's really what has powered their offense and even powered the dunking game that they've been doing so well. I think a lot of it goes to the four people that I consider to be the architects of the chemistry that the Lakers have. It starts with Rob Palenka. His decisions to, right from the very beginning, make sure that Frank Vogel, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis were part of every single decision that they made about personnel. I mean, there were a lot of comments going around the league during when the Lakers were trying to rebound after after Kawhi Leonard tampered his way into the Clippers with Paul George. There was a lot of talk that if you don't have LeBron's okay, you're not going to be on this Lakers team, and that was true. And uh, the 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 job that that Palinka did in making that a four man crew that was basically making all those personnel decisions, that's the way you anchor and, and create a lineup and a roster of players who are going to develop great chemistry. It's something that was really special, the way that he handled all of that. And I think he deserves a great deal of credit for it. 
Frank Vogel obviously has done a fabulous job. Uh, there was a recent terrific article by uh, in uh, Sports Illustrated where they were talking about the job, how tough it is to be a head coach for LeBron James. And a lot of coaches have talked about how they'd go out and talk to previous coaches that had coached LeBron and asking for advice and so forth. And in the article uh, in Sports Illustrated, uh, Frank said basically he didn't agree with that whole approach. He really felt that it's important to just have your own fresh look at the situation and go in there. Um, and one of the things that uh, was brought out in the article was why, why is LeBron so hard to coach? And part of it is that he's a coach on the floor. He knows everything. He studies every game. He, he looks at the analytics of every game. He looks at the opponent. He looks at the weaknesses. And he really scouts every single game and knows what's going to happen. Rick Pitino was sitting in and watching some of the plays when Vogel was setting, working with LeBron and Vogel had sent out a new play and, and LeBron would basically be telling everybody on the floor, here's what you got to look for here. Here's what you got to look for in this situation. He was really laying a whole thing out there. So if you're a coach for the Lakers or you're a coach of LeBron James, you cannot go in there not prepared because if you go in there unprepared, he is going to just tear you apart. And so Frank Vogel is the perfect person because Vogel is a guy who is just a total workaholic. He spends so much time looking at everything. He spends his time on the planes sitting with LeBron, going over plays and going over strategy and so forth. And so you get that respect that you get with a coach. And then, then all of a sudden you bring in Anthony Davis and LeBron immediately turns to Anthony Davis and basically says, we're going to run the offense through you. I'm going to give you my jersey. Uh, you know, what else can you do for the guy to make him feel like he's really part of the team? And so those four guys, Palenka, Vogel, LeBron James, and Anthony Davis really were the architects of putting together a team that has developed the chemistry faster than we've ever seen before. I mean, everybody talked about how Miami with the big three and, and how fast they got together. Well, it was about middle of the season before they really started to do anything. That's correct. They were actually at or under 500, if I remember correctly. I mean, they had really just an average record for the first, what, 10, 15, 20 games of the season before they, they finally clicked and they finally meshed as a unit, if I remember correctly. And you look at the Lakers, it's not like this is a whole bunch of guys that came back. I mean, there's like five or six guys from last year's team, but there's another nine, 10 guys that are all brand new, and they were all put together. I think the thing that impressed me more than anything, too, was the way that this thing all started with Palenka putting together the roster, but really the, the coup d'etat of the whole thing was the Dwight Howard deal. You know, you have you have Boogie brought in there, and Boogie is the Boogie's still on this roster because they want to keep him. A, he is basically the long-term center to play alongside Anthony Davis. Because he was not the bruiser that everybody thought when he was playing with the Pelicans and, and the Pelicans were really playing extremely well. He was a stretch five like Brooke Lopez, who was out there taking 300 three-point shots in the game, you know. So what you're going to see is, is that when they, brought, when, when they lost Boogie, they had a decision to make because they, they needed somebody strong in the middle to, besides DeVale McGee because Anthony Davis did not want to play heavy minutes at center. He didn't want to bang around and having to be beat down the entire season. And so there was a decision to bring in Dwight Howard. Everybody who looked at that situation when they were looking at people, do you bring in Howard? Do you go and uh, go out and get uh, some other center? And the other centers that they were looking at really didn't fill the bill. 
And Howard gave the same old story that he's given like six years in a row as he moves from team to team about how he's matured and he finally understands everything and yada, yada. But they brought LeBron in to talk to him. They brought Anthony Davis in to talk to him. And those two guys signed off on him. And we saw the culmination of that, the way that in the, what did we, we were 13 games into the season, 11 and two record. And in 13 games, the most hated player who ever played for the Lakers in the last decade may be the most celebrated player on that team right now. I mean, Dwight Howard has just turned it around like you cannot believe to the point where I'm seeing Kobe Bryant shaking his hand and patting him on the back. And <laughs> that's, he's his nemesis. This is the guy, this is the reason he left the Lakers in the first place because Kobe was just merciless on the guy. And yet you see this turnaround that has just been miraculous. This is not a fluke. This is something that is sustainable and they're going to see it the whole season long. And as long as this team can knock on wood, stay healthy and not lose one of their key players, they're going to go all the way this year. You're definitely right on that because they are looking sharp as can be. They have meshed faster than pretty much any other team that has this kind of assembly before. Like you said, the majority of the roster has been made over. It looks like right now that they're playing on all cylinders. And in fact, if you go to at Laker Tom on Twitter, you can see some of your postings that are out there, including the stats broken down piece by piece as far as just how good, especially on the defensive end, it has meshed. Offensively, since the last time we spoke, it has gone a step in the right direction. Guys are hitting more shots. Kuzma is now hitting, what, in the last four games, I believe, about 50% from the three-point line. Now, mind you, he's not going to hit 50% three-point line continuously, but you know what? That is far and above what he was doing when he first came back into the lineup. So I'm very hopeful that he can continue at least a 35 40% type of deal going forward from the three-point line because it helps his short game so much more. Rondo has come back and also shot very well, and he's played very well on the offensive side. Defensively, and I know you and I spoke about this yesterday, that there's still issues there where he's not making the commitment on defense that virtually every other guy is. That's why I'm, I'm still hoping Quinn Cook can play more often because even though he was slighted always for his defense, I see his effort with Quinn Cook when it comes to on the defensive side. But yes, Rondo is getting back in shape. He, he is playing well on the offensive end. And right now that's a good thing because I know it helps LeBron and having another playmaker in there from time to time. And it also helps in those times when, it, and I still think this is one thing that the Lakers still have to figure out is when LeBron is on the bench, how are they going to manufacture points? Because that still is kind of an issue you think with AD on the floor, you'd be all set, right? But unfortunately, it hasn't seemed kind of seamless. I, I think I think you're probably getting that just too. When when LeBron goes to the bench, it's not exactly as smooth as you would like to see it. Well, when you look at the stats and uh, for the on and off the court stats that the NBA uh, NBA.com puts together, there's no doubt that when LeBron's on the floor, that's the highest rating that the Lakers get. And in actuality, when Anthony Davis is on the floor, it's a negative rating a bit, like minus 2.4 points or something like that. And then and, and Vogel even addressed this whole issue because he basically took responsibility. He says, you know, we're not getting Anthony enough shots. And the nice part about that is Anthony, Anthony just claps right back at him and says, I don't care about the shots, coach. All I care about are the wins. And we're going to just keep doing it the way we're doing it. 
So there's two things that are really, I think, come to light the last few days. One is that this defense is for real. And even even with KCP taking over for Avery, Avery Bradley, we've been able to keep teams down and, and we're the number one ranked defense. We're number one in block shots. We're number four or five in steals. So it, it's a combination of just holding people down. One of the interesting aspects of the offense there's a great article by Alex Regla of uh, B-Ball Breakdown uh, that we posted on Lakerholics.net and had a great conversation started on it, where Alex was basically holding the premise that the Lakers' success has been on offense has been really because of all of the dunking they're doing. <laughs> they lead the lead in dunking. They have the number one dunker in, in uh, Anthony Davis. Uh, and then LeBron James is right up in there. JaVel McGee's in there. And Dwight Howard's in there. And so you've got, you've got more dunks than anybody else. And, and analytics basically looks at three things, dunking the ball or dunks and layups, free throws, and three-point shots. So our shooting hasn't come around. And what's really scary for other teams is to realize that once that shooting comes around and you add that to the attacks, the points in the paint that we're leading the league in, and the Lakers, Lakers have a huge amount of room to improve offensively, they're already ranked number 10 now uh, as of the last rankings. And you figure that by the end of the season, we're going to be a team that's going to be top one, number one in defense and probably top five in offense. Uh, the shooting is coming around. And when you combine that with the, with the intimidating factor that you have both on defense of blocking people's shots and then dunking over them, that's something that is built for the playoffs. When you get to the playoffs, it's not going to be the long-range bombs that are going to kill you today. The days of, of Curry and and uh, and uh, his team just bombing, raining threes on people has maybe gone a little way. Harden's going to try to do that. Harden's using 40% of the plays now are run by Harden. And the way this team is playing right now is we're going to be a jump out the entire season and we're going to be even better. We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. That is by far my favorite because it's also character driven and the stakes are high and there's much more of a mystery and intrigue to it. A game like Wolfenstein, which people are saying are one of the most socially important video games of the past 10 years. Catch our shows on radio worldwide seven days a week or at any time on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts or on over 30 more podcast outlets. Once again, I'm talking to Tom Wong. You know him as Laker Tom. He is the man behind Lakerholics.net. You got to be a part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net. You just go there. If you, especially if you're a Lakers fan, you could find out all the stats, all the info, and a lot of great opinion and analysis when you go to Lakerholics.net. I'll tell you what, Laker Tom, it still looks like right now a very favorable schedule in the short term for the Lakers. So in your opinion... What does the team need to do to stay focused in order to go ahead and get all these wins down and hopefully go 6-0 and before you head into what's coming up in the near future, the first week of December when it comes to a matchup against Denver? Now, mind you, that will just go ahead and perpetuate more and more confidence in the team the more games you win. So if we're heading in there, say, uh, you know, uh, 16, 17, and 2, 16, and 3, something like that, Heading into that matchup, 
I mean, that just gives your team so much more confidence when you go ahead and play up against those really big teams because this Western Conference is looking like pretty much like what everybody, including you and I, thought it would be where there's a, you know, five teams at the top being the Lakers, Houston, Denver, Utah, and the Clippers. And there's really no one else at this time that can match up in the Western Conference. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It's almost like the Western Conference and Eastern Conference are becoming top heavy. The one thing that just sticks out at me completely, Gerald, is the chemistry. I think the chemistry is the whole key to this season. The way that this team is totally supportive. Everybody is on the same page. Everybody understands that defense comes first. LeBron understands that, and and you've seen LeBron play defense like he hasn't played in the last five years, and you hear him talking about that. And he's playing all defensive quality defense. You have the best defender in the league in Anthony Davis, I think, who is going to, as the games go on, he's going to, I think you're going to see Anthony Davis be the favorite for defensive player of the year, and LeBron James move into the favorite, competing with Harden for MVP honors. But I think that the things that keeps the Lakers grounded is the fact that their defense and their offense are happening because of their dominance down low. They're coming because of, of their ability to block shots and dunk the ball on people. And as the and then they have the leadership of two guys who basically aren't willing to lose games. Um, LeBron James is so focused. The way that he every time we let the Hawks get back in the game, LeBron would just come in and and score down the road and, and rack up a bunch of points or make a bunch of defensive plays. There were some sequences of defense during that Hawks game that you almost wanted just to bottle and just repeat and 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 just play them over and over for the team. They, they, they must have, like, there was one sequence where they tipped the ball three or four times and all of the tips went straight to the other players and they just continued to harass them and so forth. I am not worried at all about the short term. I don't, I'm not worried at all about the next few games. I think this team is a team that is going to pounce on every little team that they can. And I think that they have so much firepower and so much defensive ability that they can shut down people whenever they want. So I think that they're going to go into that that December meeting with the uh, with the the Denver Nuggets. I think they're going to go into that seventeen and two or sixteen and three. They're going to have a really strong record, and then it'll be interesting to see how well the offense is coming along. Are we going to start getting the shooting we need so that we're not just ducking in, on people all the time? Well, I was going to say it seems like we only get one or two flowing at the same time. Doesn't seem like we get a whole team going well at one particular time from the three-point line it's something that just seems like one or two players get hot from there and that's been it for us so far this season well also too we've got a couple of players i mean it's kind of funny thing we went into the season with two things that i thought were the big pluses on defense we had five guys who were former all defensive players and two of them you knew were going to come through in anthony davis and danny green then the other question was, was would LeBron James, Avery Bradley, and uh, Dwight Howard actually be able to come through and play to the level that actually we had six of them when you count Rondo because he won several defensive player or all defensive honors. And so we had those six players that really had 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 at one point in time, some of it because of injury, some of it because of age, and some of it in the case of LeBron, a lack of focus, who weren't living up to their all defensive capabilities. 
Well, all of those guys have basically, except for Rondo, now shown that they can put it on and they can go out there and defend as good as anybody in the league. On the offensive side of the ball, we had five or six guys who, when you looked at their shooting percentage for wide open threes, meaning guys four to six feet away, they were all 40% shooters for wide open threes. And a couple of those guys have really been disappointing in their ability to make those shots. Specifically, Quinn Cook, Troy Daniels, Dudley has done well and, and hit his shots. Avery Bradley has not hit his threes the way that he did when he was wide open in, in his history, even for last year. So we've got great potential there to be able to improve. But I think the key thing is that we've got a baseline because of the chemistry and because of the focus on defense and dunking the ball. We've got a baseline that really gives us a chance to win every single game, no matter how well we shoot. And that's something that I think is, is that that provides you with a sustainability during a long 82 game season that is going to really pay off in the end. Um, maybe the Clippers don't care whether they're playing the Lakers in as the number one seed or the number two seed because it's Staples center. And no matter how you cut it, half of the fans, even if it's the Clippers game are going to be Lakers fans. So I think that the the whole home court advantage for the Clippers is a little different. They're used to almost playing in the Lakers stadium all the time in the Lakers arena. Almost so, like the LA Chargers in football where they really never have a home. Very similar, very similar, you know. Yeah, I mean, oh, Mexico City, I think they had more fans this past <laughs> Monday than they did in their own home here in Carson. So uh, that's that's kind of I mean, funny. It's, it's so bad even it's so bad that you know you put a I have a few Clippers that seem to want to Turtle in every time that I make a post about the Lakers, and they I post the team stats the other day. The Lakers are number one at this, number one at this, number one at this, and several Clippers fans are tacking onto the post saying, "No, you're not. No, you're not. No, you're not." Uh, so I think that the Lakers are going to get the top seed, and I think that they're they're going to end up with the best record in the league. Uh, I do think there is a chance that they might not have the best record compared to somebody in the East, just because the East is going to be a cakewalk for a lot of those teams. But there's some teams out there in the East even that are playing that are they're tougher outs than you would expect them to be at this point in time. And I think the Celtics basically are going to come to earth at some point in time. But the Celtics lost a lot. Yes, Celtics have lost a lot. Yeah, with Gordon Hayward injured, you're up exactly right on that. But I think Milwaukee, which is just a game behind them, I think they'll go ahead and, you know, with the kind of record that they have and the kind of team that they have, probably by the end of this year – will probably regain that top spot in the Eastern Conference. And you're right, because there's so many cupcakes in the Eastern Conference as compared to the Western Conference, that I think there could be a great possibility that, you know, as the Lakers schedule gets a little tougher in December, there might be a game or two which might lead to the fact that maybe Milwaukee might jump both the Celtics and the Lakers and become the Mm -hmm. top record league. You know, they had the best record in the league last year. So it wouldn't right. be a surprise to me, especially, again, because you have so many weak teams in the Eastern Conference. Right. Milwaukee really misses Brogdon, though. He was, he, was, he was the one player that if there was a guy out there that the Lakers missed that I almost wish that they hadn't missed, it would have been Brogdon. I thought he would have been the perfect addition to our team. Um, but the 76ers, the 76ers have their – all of those teams in the East, all, all of the top teams, the 76ers, the Celtics, the Bucks. They all have some fatal weaknesses. You know, I, I don't trust Giannis in the playoffs. I think he can be taken out of the game. Uh, and they don't have a second superstar to go with him. 
And a team like the Lakers are going to be tough on him because we have some physicality that some size and physicality to match him that other teams don't have. The key for us, I think, still is, like you said at the start of it, Gerald, that we really need Diggy. We really do. He's like the final piece to put this team over the top. And I think it's going to happen. I don't see anybody going to spend $17 million and trade a bunch of contracts. And and Memphis is not going to take anything but expiring contracts back and trade for him. And you, it's, that, it's that odd number of $17 million where he, you're not getting a young, you're not going to get a young player for that amount that you're going to give back or two or three young players. You just, you got to, you got to put a veteran in there and they don't want a veteran unless it's an expiring contract and somebody's going to give them a first. There's almost a point in time where I wouldn't mind giving them a 2026 first round pick or something like that, just in order to get him out of there. Um, the problem obviously with the trade for the Lakers is we can't match the 17 million salary. So we've got to wait for him to be cut. I think at some point that's going to happen. I just don't see anybody anybody going in there. The only reason to do it would be to prevent him from going to the Lakers. I agree with you on that. And as far as Milwaukee is concerned, they're going to feel the loss of Malcolm Brogdon. I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, having that type of player that can get 40% from the three-point line, 90% from the free throw area, and 50% as a shooter overall – like he did last season and do very well like he's been doing in Indiana. I think they're going to feel that loss in the playoffs. I don't think they'll feel as much in the regular season just because it is a regular season. But, yeah, when it concerns matchup times, last year in the playoffs, he was one of their most effective players, and I think they will be feeling the hurt then. And as far as Iguodala, you're right. They, they If they can't get him as far as via trade, you know, Denver – or one of these other teams could try and trade assets for him. That's not out of the realm of possibility. I mean, we could start hearing those rumors as early as December. I'm hoping not. I'm hoping that Iggy will get bought out at some point in time. I know Memphis is trying to seek a trade because they really don't want to go the buyout route with him because they know that he's a that he could be a valuable piece to one of these playoff teams. I mean, he would not only go great on the Lakers, Houston. He would be a great fit, I know, as well with the Clippers. They've also talked about him yep. being a part of that team. But, yeah, it's getting tight in the Western Conference, my friend. There's a lot of great teams. I mean, Houston is breathing down the Lakers' neck right down there. They've won eight in a row, so they're they're on a roll. I mean, after so many questions were made about them as far as their defense being horrible, they have no bench, la, 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 la. Well, you know what? James Harden and his almost 40-point average are, have, have carried them eight wins in a row, and they're right behind the Lakers then, I, you know, Utah is just steady, you know, just going right there to the motions, right there behind the Lakers as well. Denver, very quietly doing the same thing as well. You know they've got that that at home court advantage that they always have playing in the Mile High City, so yeah. you know they're going to be right there. And, of course, the Clippers, again, I think they're just right now going in neutral mode with, with doing as much load management as they can for Kawhi as possible. You know, we are going to see glimpses here in the next couple of weeks of those two together, I believe, with with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So we'll really see where we're at with them. But I really don't think that they're motivated enough to go ahead and get the top seed in the West. I think with them, it's more about load management and what can they do to try and get healthy before the playoffs. So we'll have to wait and see where it goes with the Clippers. But as much distance the Lakers can keep above these teams would be greatly appreciated. Right now, again, there's going to be some soft teams that the Lakers have to win and have to keep continuing finishing off before they really get to that tough, meaty part of the schedule next month. So I'm hoping for continuous good things. And, you know, Tom, I'm just telling you, the conversation at Lakerholics.net 
everybody is pumped and excited, but you're the man behind it. So I want to hear your thoughts. What's going on at Lakerholics.net and why do people need to be a part of this conversation? Well, we've gone through six years of, of struggling and hopeful disappointment as a Laker fans. And the history of Lakerholics.net is it actually started way back when the LA Times had a Lakers blog. And it was a great blog. Eric Pincus was in charge of it at one point in time, and then Mark Medina. And there were just incredible conversations that we had there. Like many blogs, it sort of imploded through a lot of negativity and so forth. And what we've tried to do is to build back up that thing, that same group of people that was at the core of that blog that made the LA Times blog the number one blog in the country. And so almost all of those people that came from that blog and now have migrated to Lakerholics.net. And I think the thing that, that everybody is so excited about is it's finally fun to be a Lakers fan again. And there's nothing more exciting than being able to go online almost any time of the day and see three or four other people carrying on a conversation, talking about all of the positive things that are going on with the Lakers, talking about how great the chemistry is, uh, talking about how great it is to see Kobe Bryant finally showing up at Staples Center and, and just loving how the Lakers are playing. So if you want to be part of that excitement and really want to find some camaraderie with like-minded Laker fans, Lakerholics.net is the perfect place for you to go. It's the perfect community for you to join. And we invite you to, to come on over and uh, log in, set up, set up a membership as a user, start making posts, start commenting on posts, and just really enjoy for the first time in seven years how great it is to be a Lakers fan. Once again, that is Lakerholics.net. you got to be a part of the conversation today. You see all the great stuff that's going on there. Again, it's at Lakerholics.net. And for us here at the Lakers Fast Break, if you have any questions you'd like to send to us, let us know. LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com. Or if you can, please, if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, because we're now on virtually every major podcast format, please, if you can, leave us that five-star review, that five-star review, because the more and more five-star reviews we get, the higher profile that we can get as far as to and be more accessible and more accessible so that more Lakers fans can you know check us out and see what we have to offer right here at the Lakers Fast Break. And also you can get a hold of us on Twitter at Lakers Fast Break. You can always get a hold of us there. We're, we're all around the clock when it comes to all the Lakers stuff going on at Lakers Fast Break. But, Tom, it is go hopefully going to be another great week indeed for the Lakers. I'm, I'm hoping for some good things with the Thunder. So let's hope Oklahoma City will feel the Thunder from the Los Angeles Lakers this week. I'm hoping for some good things. But as we were talking about that, I saw Kobe and Dwight Howard kind of shake hands after the Atlanta game. You know, the ice is starting to melt and the frost is starting to come off there between those two after what happened so many years ago. But... I don't expect dinner plans anytime soon between those two. Well, I remember that uh, you have to also realize that Dwight is uh, sort of uh, hinted to LeBron that he'd like to go to Taco Tuesday. So uh, that hasn't happened yet either. But there was a, there was a very nice congratulatory uh, quote from Kobe basically saying that he thought Dwight is doing great and has been a terrific addition to the team. So I thought that there was a, you know, there's, you, you, you couldn't have made a movie that had a better ending. You know, this is sort of like a field of dreams for the Lakers fans. I have Kobe Bryant and his daughter in the audience there, and uh, 
shaking hands with LeBron and LeBron just complimenting him and, and, uh, uh, his daughter taking selfies with all sorts of fa later fans out there in the audience and such. But to have Kobe petting uh, Dwight on the back, to me, that was a sign that we've come full circle. We've come full circle from that, that horrible Dwight Howard, uh, Steve Nash disastrous game and all the way through the Magic Johnson era and the Jim Buss era. You have to give Jeannie Buss and, and Rob Palenka credit for staying the course because Five months ago, I think yesterday, or day before yesterday, was the five-month anniversary of the trade for Anthony Davis. And you could imagine what it was like six months ago at Lakerholics.net, at every Lakers fan site that was around there. Everybody just, you know, I mean, I'm still with my normal seven-eighths class full attitude toward everything and talking about how promising it was with the defense because of these former all defensive players we've got and how promising it was for our shooting and offense because of the shooters that we were light lining up and the fact that we finally had a superstar to go with LeBron and a, and a coach who could really coach defense and Frank Vogel. And everybody was basically just laughing at me and saying, yeah, it's, it's Laker Tom again with his positivity. But I could see those seeds back then and, and you could just see them step by step, the way that Palenka went through building the team and so forth. So I think that we're going to see wins after wins over these easy teams. We're going to lose some games during the year because that's just the nature of the beast. But the games that we lose are going to be against teams that are the competitors, the real teams that we have to face, the Clippers and the, the Jazz and, the, and, and those teams. We're not going to lose to the Thunder and the Knicks and the Cavs and those teams. I don't think we're even going to lose to the Suns or the Mavs or, the, or a bunch of those teams. I think most of our losses at the end of the year – and there won't be that many of them, but they'll come from the uh, the teams that you really have to compete against to win. Well, I'll tell you what, when it comes to Kobe, and did you see the video that was circulating on Twitter last week when it comes to Kobe? It, you know, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, my friend. Kobe's daughter taking it all the way and shooting a fadeaway jump shot one on three. Hmm. Wonder who that reminds me of. Hmm. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I, I've... Uh, I have a great. I have a son, and I coached him playing basketball all through, through high school, CYO basketball, and so forth. And I've spent the last seven years coaching my two granddaughters. So the girls' basketball has come a long way. My uh, one granddaughter is a, an eighth grader, and she's playing her last year of CYO basketball. She's a B player, and the other girl's on the A team, uh, an undefeated seventh grade A team that has won every CYO championship since they started. They're also an AAU team. Two of the players on the team are right now being recruited heavily by several high schools in the Bay Area, uh, trying to sign them up and give them scholarships to Marin Catholic and a couple of the other other big schools in the neighborhood. So, and these girls, every one of these girls has has Euro steps, step back jumpers, and it's just amazing. They all have great crossovers, and you know. I several times we've played boys at the same at the same level, and these some of these girls are better than some of the boys. So I can watching Gigi play and uh, and watching some of the other NBA players' daughters play. Uh, the women's basketball is in a whole different league than it was, you know, 25 years ago. I remember once telling my wife complaining about how the uh, LA Times sports page was getting filled up with women's basketball. And my wife said to me, well, I didn't have any granddaughters at that point. She says, wait till you have granddaughters 
and you'll be sorry that you said that. And she's absolutely true. It's been it's been a thrill watching the girls play basketball and and basically uh, I'm a girls coach at this point in time. Well, that's great to hear when it concerns what you're talking about right there. But you know, I don't think you drop any play where you tell them to go ahead and try a fadeaway one on three. So I'm not sure that's exactly the the design that you want to as a coach. But then again, we saw it for so many years, and uh, you know, next thing you know, he'll be actually telling her to go for 81. So there you go, there you go. All right, my friend, it's been great talking to you. Great having you on the show once again. It is Tom Wong, aka Laker Tom. You got to be a part of conversation today at LakerHolics.net. We cannot thank you enough for being part of the show. This time next week, my friend. Yep, sounds good. All right. Thank you so much again. And also, if you're watching us on YouTube, go ahead and subscribe today because you can be a part of the great things that we show off right here at the Lakers Fast Break YouTube channel and all the great things right here that we do at the Lakers Fast Break podcast.